and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Doing well, Justin. How about yourself? Kirby, uh, you know, broadcasting to you from the capital of auto racing in the greater Rijeka area, known as Shmrika, home of the Shmrika International Raceway, which I was fortunate to be able to drive on the other day. Is that right? That's right. Was it on the uh, rental car or what? It was a karting track. Oh, go karting! Really okay. good, yeah, a really good one up on the, the side of this hill, uh, overlooking uh, really the side of a mountain overlooking the Adriatic. It's the most strange place for a karting track ever, and yet there it is. And for the eighty Kuna, you can go out and uh, race all the karts you want, which are pretty, which a good track and pretty good. And but even I think the feature here that most people don't see at a karting track is a full-on bar uh, where you're encouraged to drink before driving. Really? Wow. Yeah. That makes for some entertaining driving, I bet. It's a new world out there. For the, for those who don't have any idea, what's the name of the city you just said? You're in Croatia, right? That's correct. To our fair listeners, I just want to say that uh, I know you've, you've come to expect a certain level of uh, professionalism from us about races and so forth. Uh, this is probably going to disappoint on that front in the sense that uh, I haven't been able to watch the Detroit race at all, Kirby. And from what you're telling me now, it was so disjointed, my recording of it will probably have not recorded in full anyways. Correct. Uh, Yeah. And uh, I really haven't been able to watch much of, I I did watch, managed to watch a little bit of qualifying today at um, Road America, but, uh, you know, I'm at a disadvantage there. So I thought we'd take the time to kind of, yeah, you know, we'll get into some of the Detroit stuff and, and and hit Road America a little bit, but probably not as hard as we normally do, if that's a reasonable plan with you, Kirby. Lead away. Let's look back to Detroit, if you don't mind. Again, I'm at a, a total disadvantage here, but I did see the Rosenquist uh, accelerating at, uh, as fast as he could straight into the wall. And I'm wondering, Kirby, if that is uh, a metaphor for his career in IndyCar at the moment. <laughs> Certainly is a 2021 season, wouldn't you say? <laughs> Obviously, we're glad he's okay, all those kind of things, and um, hope he comes back here soon. But yeah, that uh, kind of summed up his season, didn't it? It sure did. And uh, I mean, he's just been underperforming, and I don't think he can look at that. And it's certainly he's not to blame for it. That's clear. There's something went wrong. It's a tough year for him. He just does seem to be going, you know, a million miles an hour straight into the wall with his career in Indy if he can't. Uh, improve matters uh, too, too sweet. And it's kind of hard to do that when you're not in the car. IndyCar career kind of peaked a year ago uh, at Road America, right? When he uh, ran down Pato Award to get his only IndyCar victory. And it didn't just start the season, did it? He kind of went downhill after that, even the second half of last year. The slide continues, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. A lot of people can and pointing out that Arrow Schmidt McLaren has had a bit of a quick trigger finger on uh, disappointing drivers the last couple of years could uh, come up again. Well, I want to get to that in a second, Curve. Actually, that was uh, something I was going to talk a little bit about. But the other guy who I got to just say at this point in the season, you just sit there and and kind of watch. You and I were always a little bit dubious of him, but it just it's just extraordinary to watch this year is Hinchcliffe. I mean, he is just nowhere ever at all. There's no excuses at this point in my view. It's just awful. I agree. Um, Claimed to have had a better car than the results showed, but was uh, taken out by bad luck both days. But um, 
you know, if that's the case, and he just gets taken out by bad luck every week. And there's got to be more to it than that. And I, I think I told you, you know, at the 500, he wasn't even surprised he had a bad race. He was expecting it going in. And I just found that found that remarkable and uh, kind of sad for a, a guy, a driver of his pedigree and with a team of their of Andretti's pedigree. That just shouldn't happen heading into the biggest race of the year. Uh, you shouldn't resign yourself to having a Marco kind of race, you know. Yeah, it's uh, like he's almost quit, you know. I mean, it's just every time you see him interviewed, he's just not. He doesn't seem to be as engaged as he should be, you know. I just, uh, it's, it's very strange. I always had questions about where he stood in the, the, the scheme of things, you know, uh, particularly after Wickens kind of came in and showed him up. But I mean, he's, he's even underperforming those rel- relatively low expectations. Michael Andrade's got to be wondering, you know, what the blank is going on people at genesis might be too i don't know how committed i don't know how committed genesis is to indycar racing or whether they're just committed to james hinchcliffe but either way uh unless he's a hell of a you know guy with their customers and their employees i don't see any bang for their buck yeah that might uh, turn into the next gainbridge situation where michael kind of quietly takes the sponsor to another driver the impressive oliver askew or somebody like that right so Mm. well we'll course no doubt get to that before this uh conversation is over curb you mentioned uh you were talking about uh spro and so forth uh mclaren and there was an article written i don't know last week or the week before you know about how did they join the establishment right how have they become like a top three or top four team in indycar i I read the headline and I, i pretty much yelled at the headline you know why because they 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 had the guts to fire Hinch, and they had the guts to fire Askew. And the, the gentleman who wrote that article about how SB joined the establishment was the first one saying, oh, they shouldn't fire Hinch, and they shouldn't fire Askew, and how unfair that they did. But in my view, it's it's been their bold moves that have put them to where they are in IndyCar racing. What do you think? Well, the one flaw in that argument, I think, is that um... – that car still isn't performing. It isn't like uh, their bold uh, actions have have vaulted that car up into the top ten, or they're missing the formula on that second car here now, you know, three years in a row, right? Well, I don't know. I I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I think that my guess is that the second car in the right hands would be right there, right next to Pato. And I, I just think that they have made some hard decisions of which they took an enormous amount of criticism for. You know, the, I think if McLaren's bought anything, they've bought some of that kind of harshness of F1 to uh, to the organization. They've managed to kind of bring that kind of discipline to the team, which I think you see so many other teams kind of hang on to a guy longer than they should, you know, thinking, oh, it might work out in the end. And it, But it very rarely does. The whole team hasn't been raised. It's just been... The lead car, and the lead car was competitive regardless of who was in that second car. So, well, wait a minute, but Wickens wasn't the lead car when he started out. Uh, I'm saying the lead car in terms of performance. Wickens' rookie year, you know, first year in IndyCar, he immediately established himself as the team leader, uh, even if he was the new guy on the block. And, um, and you know, immediately shown the light on Hinchcliffe's performance where everybody had assumed – they had problems besides the driver, and all of a sudden now you had to look at the driver, right? Pato Award really kind of serves the same function. He's shining the light on the drivers in that second car. 
it actually might be a very interesting silly season coming up. I suppose it's okay to start talking about it. I can see where you've got Rosenquist, Hinch, uh, Padge, uh, Ryan Hunter Ray, uh, all looking for jobs. I could see Padge finding a job fairly easily, I would think. Maybe so, not so much for Rosenquist, Hinch, or Ryan Hunter Ray for that matter. <laughs> you know what? Who might end up getting a, a job, Curb? Oliver Askew. Exactly. I think if you you take three drivers out of the system next year, you do kind of have to ask, like, like what, what drivers are around to replace them? Not going to be Kevin Magnuson. He's going to go drive for Peugeot. But yeah, at least a couple of guys, I think, coming up for Mindy Lights that they expect to make their presence known in IndyCar next year. Certainly, the whoever wins a championship should get a pretty good ride. Kirkwood has been you know, pretty impressive for the last number of years, and I think Andretti has an eye on him. So that's kind of where I piece together uh, Andretti taking Genesis if they can and sticking it together. <laughs> with Kyle Kirkwood in the Genesis car. Right. I mean, if, he could, if Andretti could pull that off and pair him up with uh, Kirkwood and a million bucks, if Kirkwood would win the championship, then that yeah. might be a stout uh, a stout improvement. You know, they say Lindquist, Linus Lindquist should get a ride, and maybe even David Maluka, she could get as many as three. You never know who else could be coming over from Europe, of course. Um, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, and they are going to run a third car and a number of additional races this year. Um, Ferrucci may get one more ride with them, but they're going to cycle some other drivers through and kind of have some tryouts. I think that uh, DaCosta, is that his name? Antonio DaCosta? Yes. Uh, yes. The Formula E champion. Um, he's been linked to Ray Hall before. Um, so a guy like that could be in play. And, and Hinch, uh, he's going to go to, uh, well, we think now uh, – Contrary to our previous uh, previous uh, broadcast, uh, NBC now. Uh, you could go to NBC. You could go to uh, Tony Stewart's SRX Racing, right? You could you could be a competitor or an announcer in that series, whichever is wants to be. But um, <laughs> or both. Right. You could announce from the car. Right. Curb, so, uh, did you watch the SRX race? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, and I, I see that they. Learn from my experience because I couldn't stay awake to the end, and, and, <laughs> and I, they're they're shortening the races this week going forward. So uh, I saw that they did that. I didn't take that as a particularly good sign that <laughs> that uh, maybe it was a riveting experience. No, um, and you know they all got taken uh, taken to the woodshed by the local driver too, which I thought was funny. Potential, I think. I, you know, the other thing that um, besides the length and kind of a lull there in the middle of the race. Um, uh, I thought the cars, you know, when you looked at those cars and they were purpose made for this series and they looked in the photos to be pretty stout, didn't they look like they were made for banging each other? And they seemed kind of fragile to me. Uh, you know, the first, even the first couple of heats, the qualifying heats they had, and, and they're already cutting fenders away and cutting the uh, nose away from the cars and stuff. So I thought that was kind of surprising that they were as delicate as they were. Well, that's pretty inexcusable because I'll tell you one thing for sure. They are butt ugly. They are butt ugly. Um, and, they, you know, they got those square back ends and the big, big, uh, the big wings. And I just thought, well, they're going to, they're going to make these things real stout. And they're just going to lean on each other and bang on each other and entertain people that way. And, uh, you know, this was a paved track. God knows what's going to happen when they go on the dirt tracks and try to race those cars. So, um, <laughs> It'll be, it'll be interesting. And, and you know, you got Ray Evernham running around in the middle of the infield, 
kind of looking like the mad scientist with uh, radios hanging off his hips and and uh, crazy smile going. It was kind of he was kind of entertaining just to watch him run around. Uh, <laughs> like, so. Trying to keep the show going. Yeah. yeah, it seemed like almost everybody led at some point during the race. It seemed like to me. What really worried me was that uh, at one point uh, Michael Waltrip was checking out on everybody. I thought that was <laughs> a little disconcerting for the rest of the team, rest of the cars. So. Yeah, maybe he got the call. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna hit you with one a little bit out of left field here, so I, I hope uh, I hope you can you know, be a little nimble uh, of mind here to give me an answer. Toronto. Uh, much like my uh, planned fishing trip in July has been canceled uh, in Canada. Without a practical consideration, what track would you like to see IndyCar replace Toronto with? Well, everyone wants to go to Cleveland, don't they? <laughs> if you want, if you want to be really impractical, um, but assuming you'd have to go with a fixed, uh, you know, purpose-built course. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. Uh, I, like I said, this is without practical consideration. So, so really, you know, the world's your oyster here. You pick one. Pocono. Wow, that's interesting. Would really like to see it come back on the schedule. I know Penske's talked tough uh, recently about getting more ovals on the schedule. Um, I think everybody's got Iowa in mind for that purpose. I was going to say Surfer's Paradise. That would be a good one. I can't uh, fault you there. Um, you know, I think your first answer might have been your best. Cleveland would be a very entertaining race to have back. Curb, um, I noticed uh, during an interview with uh, Graham Rahal the other day that uh, he seems to be, you know, along with fatherhood, uh, developing a bit of a widow's peak on the forehead. Is Graham going to follow the uh, path of his dad to complete baldness? I, I didn't notice that. I guess I noticed he looked a little, a little beefy, but uh, for a, for an IndyCar driver, um, it looked to me like he was going more the way of, of AJ. I don't, I, I don't have an answer for you on that one. I'm sorry. What do you think? Well, heredity is heredity. I uh, I don't know, but it's something it's a, it's something we're going to have to watch over the years. Curve and uh, maybe tracking Graham's hair uh, might be have to add it to the list. Well, maybe I'll help him. Uh, with cooling in the cockpit, getting that air cycle through his helmet. Kirby we touched on it a bit before uh, about looks looks like maybe NBC now is more likely than not to stay around for a few years. I can't help but feeling it's for lack of interest from any other entity. What about you? Uh, well, that's apparently true. Um, but I still don't think that makes it a bad result. NBC's they seem to have the more prominent streaming service to pair with their over-the-air broadcast. Um, I think it's still the best uh, option for IndyCar going forward the next so many years. From a rating standpoint, IndyCar has a little bit of momentum this year. I mean, maybe not a lot, but a little bit. So maybe that's encouraging NBC, who's put in so much at this point, to just kind of keep going with it a little bit more. You know, people talk about date equity and and uh, building up a race at a at a given track or in a given city. Um, I think IndyCar hopscotching all over the uh, the dial uh, wouldn't be good for their momentum or or uh, people's awareness of them either. I think it's probably best that they stay where they are. I think so too, and I think you know increasingly it's going to be online. You know, it's going to be streamed online. That's gonna that's going to be an increasing focus. 
I mean, I'd much rather be able to watch the race on Peacock than like go through the hassle of watching on cable. I don't know what the challenge is to showing it on both. I would think increasingly going forward, you'd want to. I think it'd be to the benefit of both. Well, I think it has a lot to do with, you know, you, you still have your NBC affiliates, right, which have to get advertising revenue and you can't, you know, I, mean, I think that it's all hooked into that. And that's why you can't watch it on Peacock. That may be, but the world's going to change and the local affiliates got to start changing with it, figuring out how their model is going to work, I suppose. <laughs> Good luck with that one. Good well, luck that one. <laughs> everybody tells me the world's going to change and I got to deal with it. It's my turn to tell somebody else. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's the first meeting Monday morning curb with all your employees. Right. I might have the same one. Curb. Um, I don't even know if I'll get this edited in time before the race. Uh, I'd say it's fifty fifty at this point. So I going uh, looking forward to Road America without you know is probably not going to be uh, worth a lot of money at this point to anyone. I think we should, in the fairness of disclosure, we did our picks earlier in the week. We should tell our, our, our listeners who picked who. Well, I, uh, I I broke precedent. I can't remember the last time our first pick was not a Penske or a Ganassi driver. But uh, but for obvious reasons, I went with Pato Award with the first pick. And then you went Sagely with Newgarden. Picked, uh, no, I picked Herta, I believe, second. No, Newgarden. You were, it was Pato for me, Newgarden for you. Um, I was better than I thought because I just picked the pole, pole getter. Well, yeah, and then I went with Dixon, and then you went with her, so you're two for two. That's first and second on the grid. I went with Palau. He did at least make it into the fast six at number five, and you went with Power, which gives you three of the top four uh, with your first three picks. To make matters even worse, later on down the list, you picked Harvey, which is driver number three in the fast six. So you've got the first four spots in the uh, in the lineup tomorrow. I just have to hope for Newgard to take out five or six cars on the start again and uh, clear the way for me. really does seem like this is the year where, where we're finally seeing that change everybody's always spoken about where kind of a change in the guard appears to be happening. Season isn't over yet. Obviously, uh, Penske and Newgarden uh, trying to stand their ground here. Obviously, I was expecting Pato Award to be stronger here. It remains to be seen. Award's had his, his weak moments at a handful of races. Even though he's a point ahead of Palau, I feel like Palau's been a little more consistent. The coming of the, uh, the young guys have been heralded for a while here, and the old guys so far have been able to fight them off, and I'm not going to give up on them quite yet. Curb, I sent you the odds as of, uh, I think it was Friday. I didn't know if anything uh, jumped out there to you as particularly juicy. Uh, well, before qualifying, I thought Ray Hall, you know, plus 1,700 was was juicy. He was third in that second practice. Uh, really, right now, looking at third uh, in qualifying, Harvey was going off at uh, plus 5,500. If you subscribe to the theory that Harvey's due to win one one of these days, you know, keep betting on him. I, I got a little hot and bothered by Ryan Hunter Ray at 33 to 1. Not bad considering uh, his performance here. Grosjean, uh, again, considering this would be a course that he would probably excel at at 22 to 1, I thought was not a bad place to you know, throw a small bet down. As far as like the, the lower odds guys, Nothing, you know, again, I, I think we've discussed, you know, three to one or four to one. It's hard to bet a, on it. You know, it's just that's just not a good enough odds return uh, to, to get get me out of bed. But power at eight to one and even Colton Hurd at seven point seven five to one. I thought, you know, not terrible. You know, if you're going to put some money down, that's probably where I'm going to put it. The odds of picking the one guy we, we, we pretty slim these days. So maybe you're better yeah, off. That's- 
going for the longer odds and, and having more fun rooting for him. Yeah, there you go. Well said. Curb, uh, anything you want to throw in here before we call it a, uh, a night here and still midday for you? Uh, I want to defend IndyCar and calling the red flag with five laps to go and race one at Detroit. You had fans on site that had sat around through an hour and a half red flag earlier. Your TV partner, NBC, had stuck around through the whole thing, running over some Olympic trials for diving. And uh, so I thought that showed a nice commitment on NBC's part. And I thought everybody involved deserved to be uh, treated to a you know a race to a, to the checkered flag, if at all possible, under green. I know it didn't work out for power, but um, you know, I'm sympathetic to him. But uh, those are the breaks. Everybody else started up without any problem. They made the right decision. Power got screwed out of it. I really feel for power this year. I feel like, yeah, he's had a couple of his own errors, but boy, he's been screwed a couple of times too. The last two years, really, if you think about it. He's got a contract. Pagano doesn't, so it's not all bad for him, right? Well, that's part's true. I think Pagano's going to be offered a contract that's going to involve sports car driving in the future. Uh, whether that interests him or not, I don't know. But uh, we'll see well, what happens. Actually, it's funny. You you just you just I had a thought the other day, Curb. If you recall, that early in the days of uh, McLaren uh, being involved with Arrow, uh, Pagano was one of the top names on the list that they were looking at. If you look at the timing of this, I mean, is Pagano a candidate for that second Arrow seat going into next year? I think he might be. If I'm Pagano. I'd make sure I had guaranteed money for a long time on that contract. Otherwise, you may as well take a year with Penske leading into the, the sports cars, right? You know, the only other consideration I can think of there is that uh, they keep talking about how these aero cars are a handful. And, um, you know, you got to really, I guess, if nothing else, you got to be really talented enough to, to make it work for you, which Award seems to be able to do. Um, Pagano has the appearance the last few years of a finicky driver that likes his cars a certain way. And if he yeah. can't get them that way, then then he's just not going to perform well. And um, so, you know, I think I'd have to take that into consideration if I was bad, you know, looking at a, if I had choices, if I didn't have any choices, you take the ride, right? But if I, if I have choices, I'd have to take that into consideration if I was him. It's a very good point, Curb. There's a lot of cars and, and teams you would not have expected, you know, in danger of missing out on the top 22 and, if the team owners are going to wait as long as they waited last year to start swapping drivers out and trying to make sure they, they don't finish at the bottom of the list. Well, I think uh, the conversation with Kellogg's group is uh, pretty much, well, you can finish out the year. It's going to cost you a million bucks. Right. right. That's what I would say. Or, um, or we can try and save you a million bucks and put some money in there. What do you want to do? Yeah. And I think, you know, I, uh, Looking back to 2019, 22nd place was 184 points when they had a 17 race schedule. You know, it looked to me like all, all Castro Nevis would have to do in his five more races is average 13th place or better to uh, hit 184 points this year. Even with those five races, he's got a fighting chance. You know, they've lost Toronto, so that works in his favor. That's one less race for everybody else to score points. Uh, right now, it seems to be uncertain whether they'll add a 17th race back or not. And I was also wanted to point out that Ray Hall is going to run a bunch more races with that third car. And right now they're in 21st place in entrance points. So Ray Hall is trying to get that third car going. Uh, I can't think of a better way than to start off with a million bucks from IndyCar. Hmm. So this, Herb, my point, my point is this could be more interesting than the, than the championship battle coming to the end of the year. It could, but I, I think one of the 
questions I have, Curb, and I'm not sure you can answer it, and I, I would like you, if I could, to endeavor you to try and find out, is do you have to enter all the races to get the money? And I think you do. But more and more that I read and listen, people are talking about this, and nobody's correcting them and saying that you, know, you had to run all the races this year to qualify for next year. It, it seems like so far, and I can't confirm it, but it seems like if you score in the top 22 points, top 22 places in entrant points this year, and you promised to run all the races next year, that I think you would get it. But I, I will endeavor to confirm that. I agree. I think it is be the most interesting, you know, particularly if those guys who are running partial seasons can be in the mix. That could be really interesting. I mean, if you include those two cars, that's 26 teams going for 22 spots. All the way up to 16th place is only 26 points ahead of Castro Nevis and Hinge tied for 22nd. Yeah, that's like that's 11 cars really competing to avoid those last four spots in the standings. If they don't have it set up like that, maybe they should because it, it does become pretty interesting. Yeah, you know? exactly. All right, Curb, that's it. We've yented on enough here. It's time to call it a day. All right, good night, everybody. Take care. Bye.